This podcast is produced and distributed by MWB Studios. So, Rita, you you recently um, went to, I think it was a State Department-sponsored trip. Is that right? Yes, the U.S. Embassy and the American Music Abroad people. So this is a program that uh, where you went and actually did a, 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 a musical. You're a, you're a comedian professionally, but you're also a professional musician. You went and actually did a, did a tour with a band in, in Africa. Uh, can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, so last year we went to audition in New York. There were, I think, about 200 and something bands, and they ended up picking 15 to send across the world. And they sent the majority black band to Africa, of course, which was fine with me because I've always wanted to go to Africa, maybe find my roots, my tribe, whatever. And so we went there uh, for a couple weeks and it was a cultural exchange type thing. We went to schools in Africa. We started out in Tanzania and then we went to Nigeria. Now, Nigeria is more Americanized, so I did not enjoy it as much as I did Tanzania. I mean, the, the landscape there is insane. I mean, it's just beautiful. The things that I was doing on my phone, like turning on rain to go to sleep and, and little white noise, it was all provided for me in Africa. It was wonderful. Uh, we got to write songs with African artists and African students and musicians. And I mean, day three, I was crying. I felt such a connection. You know, they were chanting and the drums and it just got, it just permeated my soul. And uh, it, it was just a real blessing. Now, the food in Nigeria ruined me. <laughs> it did. Hotel buffet food is the devil. <laughs> spicy food in Africa is the devil. I thought I thought I was hard. Hey, you know, I can eat spicy food, but the lamb there and the spices there is different beasts. I mean, they must just take it right out the crop and put it right in the food. It's it's not Yeah. Like it sp- was horrible. Spicy or Yes, it was spicy. So the hotel food, I think it was just nasty. And then I had some spicy food that literally set my soul on fire. <laughs> for four, four days <laughs> four nights <laughs> it's awful this is man why she's so thin now <laughs> yes I, I thought I was going to gain weight because yeah. we were eating multiple times a day I thought I was going to gain weight I did I gained about 10 pounds and then that happened and I was I weighed less when I got back so oh, well what what got, is, is that the first time you had been to, to Africa yes so what there you talked about the difference in, in Nigeria being Americanized and Tanzania. What what m- things that speak to your soul, what moved you, what was the experience that moved you the most? Hmm. I would say communicating through music because there was a huge language barrier, particularly in Tanzania. Like I said, Nigeria was more Americanized, so everybody pretty much spoke English. But in Tanzania, not many people spoke English, so we were literally communicating primarily through music. You know, I would play a beat, they would play a beat back. Uh, they would teach us a few words in Swahili, we would teach them some words back, and then we wrote songs together. And so it was just a lesson to me that, hey, you know, music is just a huge barrier breaker. I mean, you know, you don't have to know how to speak the same language or be from the same place to be able to connect to someone. And I mean, even to this day, I'm still talking to these students on WhatsApp, you know. And we're connected through Instagram, and all of that happened because of music. What surprised you the most relative to what your expectations were going going into this? You know, being in America, you usually see the Feed the Children commercials and you think about flies and AIDS and all that nonsense when you think about Africa. But, I mean, they have such a, a, a strong sense of unity and community 
and things that we lack in America. You know, they have fewer resources, but still have so much pride and enthusiasm and, and are just better attitude wise. You know, they do have political issues. You know, there was some danger in Nigeria, like you couldn't go outside a five mile radius or you could get beheaded. There's political stuff going on everywhere. But, um, you know, it was just the, the, the sense of, of cultural pride that they have that I feel like we take for granted in America. You know, we're more materialistic and we're thinking about red bottoms and all this bull crap that doesn't matter. You know, you, you look out there and it's just so much culture. You have women carrying huge baskets of things on their heads and, and they're dressed in their garb the whole time. Even the kids, you know, it's just so much pride about how they look and they make all this stuff. You know, it's coconuts on the side of the street to make coconut water you know it, it's just i don't know it's just more genuine the the culture seemed more genuine i've got to think to see that and know that that's real we see it on national geographic and on on documentaries and things like that but i don't i don't know that we're able to really make that connection that that's actually a real that's actually a real thing in the world today that's that's that these these people are real until we actually see it our, ourselves. Yeah, and I went on a safari and we saw all of these exotic animals and I just felt like I was in all like on the freaking Lion King just live. Mm-hmm. It was amazing and I did not have Wi-Fi a good portion of the time I was there. Like un- unless I was in the hotel, I had Wi-Fi. But outside of the hotel, I had to actually talk to people and and look around and pay attention to my surroundings and not be distracted. And it was just it was just amazing. I mean, uh, my my doctor said she believes every black person should go to Africa every five years just to remember where you came from. And I thought the flight would be crucial, but it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. It was 15 hours, hmm. but it wasn't bad. That's pretty. That's that's a big flight. Yeah. You watch movies, you know. You get to eat. No airplane food is damn awful. Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather eat like my skin or something. It was horrible. But not Nigerian hotel buffet. Right? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. never, <laughs> never okay, again. I'm gonna ask a weird question, but what about white people going there? What do you? I think you guys should go too, um, just for exposure and to get a different view and perspective. You know, mm-hmm. because as Americans, not even just but black and white folks, as Americans, we have uh, perspectives that are just not true. Mm-hmm. Other, it's just what we see on the commercials, and they are real people. They're freaking awesome. You know, could teach us a lot about being human. That's what I was just thinking about. You know, it's just it's all about human connection, and I think in in America we just kind of lose that. Because we're worried about stupid stuff like superiority and all of that, and it's, it's you know it's different in Africa. You think we have it figured out, but really they're the ones that have it figured out. Yeah, and I, I kid you not, I met a Nigerian, and he said, "Where are you from?" I said, "Mississippi." He said, "Oh, white supremacy." Wow, that's yeah. great. It it always <laughs> made me cry. I'm yeah, like, now how that's how super. did mm-hmm. that narrative get to Africa, Africa all the way there from Mississippi mm-hmm. to Africa? So yeah, I think we had a uh, one of our our um, tour managers was a white lady, and she has been to I think 21 different countries, and she was amazing. And so it was wonderful to share that experience with her. You know, I didn't feel mm-hmm. any type of way about being led around Africa sure, by a white absolutely. woman. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, it was great. I'm glad she knew her stuff. <laughs> you know, she had the the bag of of medicine and helped me when my stomach was toe up. So, right. <laughs> um, it was just a, a wonderful experience That's for everybody. Right. Yeah. But it was it was good to get back to Mississippi to see some white people. I was like, oh, white people, white people. <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, that that was a, a very recent journey that you've taken. Your your my understanding is you're about to t- you're about to make another journey. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a bit of a change for you. Um, would you would would you like to talk uh, a, a bit about that about where you're going about what's in store for you in the in the, in the near future? Yeah. So I've never lived outside of Mississippi, and I was perfectly fine with that because I'm really close to my family. Mom, we have a small family. Mom, grandma, really really close to them. Uncle. And uh, as a comedian, I'm learning that there are more opportunities outside of Mississippi. So I'm planning to move to New York before the year is over. Um, But I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to stay because the cost of living is high as hell in New York. The rent's too damn high. Mm -hmm. Yo, seriously, Mm -hmm. especially in New York, like it's two thousand dollars for a room mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like oh it's a nice apartment two thousand is like no for the room <laughs> just for the room and a toilet two thousand dollars uh but you know i feel like i've done a whole lot in mississippi mm-hmm. uh accomplished a lot of things you know between doing specials and and commercials and um i think it's time to elevate and just to see what the next level could be so i think new york is drawing me maybe la at some point for the weather not looking forward to the weather in new york Mm -hmm. but every time i go to new york something good happens and someone on a high level says you're ready for this type of uh this type of industry and stardom here in new york so i just just want to give it a shot that's awesome when you 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 talk about the opportunities and and the and the industry that you're in. Comedy seems like a very difficult way to make a living. So why why is that? Where why do you think that's where you found yourself? Because as we as we alluded to earlier, you're uh, you you spent nine years in the military. You are a musician by trade. I think you played the drums. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So how did you find yourself really? thinking this that, that comedy and understanding comedy is something that I have a gift for and it, and it's something that that I can excel in that I can be fulfilled in and that I can provide for myself by doing yeah I honestly didn't know that you could be a professional comedian because it's not something you see in Mississippi we don't have comedy clubs we don't have a lot of comedy rooms everybody you hear who's big is already gone like Tig Notaro, mm-hmm. uh Robin Roberts Oprah whatever they're already gone. So if you don't see it, you may not believe that it's possible. And then I was at an open mic in 2013. I saw these guys on stage doing comedy. And I swear I started getting chills. I was like, oh, what's this about? And then God spoke to me. He was like, you can do this. Like I tell everybody he sounded like Barry White. He was like, you can do this. And I was like, <laughs> All right, cool. Two weeks later, I was doing a five-minute set on stage, and I got $25. And that was motivation. It's like, oh, five minutes, twenty five dollars. That's like, uh, do, the, do the math. Yeah, compared to what I'm getting at the radio station. Um, and so even though I had a wonderful job at MPB, I had started losing my motivation there. I was coming to work like I, I was hosting ten o'clock shows. I was coming into work at nine fifty eight, you know. And so I said, I don't want to do this to people I care about here at MPB. So I just quit and decided to do comedy full-time a couple years ago. And uh, the thing for me is I can do clean comedy. And in Mississippi, that's really important because a lot of the comedians here say they cannot do clean comedy, which means they just can't tell jokes without cursing. I can, so I get more gigs that way. And comedy is all I do. When I told my story about, hey, I'm quitting, and I put my flyer out there, book me, anniversaries, church stuff, whatever, then people are like, oh, okay, I see you're serious about what you're doing, so now I'm going to give you an opportunity. So that's all it's been. Just, just, you know, people won't believe 
that you're serious about what you're doing until you, you know, do something like take a leap of faith and say, I'm quitting my job. This is all I'm doing. Hire me. Yeah, and you you talk about being able to do the clean comedy versus versus that, what do they call it, going blue when you're, Mm -hmm. I think that is, that takes way more skill, I think, because you can, Mm -hmm. you can always get a laugh by throwing in a shit or a a whatever, but Mm -hmm. being able to actually weave a funny narrative without having to rely on those, those devices is, is extremely impressive. It's harder. It really is. I prefer the unclean shows. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously, man, it's so hard because especially when I tell jokes a certain way and I'm used to telling them with curse words and then I get to the clean gig and I'm reciting it and I almost say shit or ass and my heart drops to my ass. I'm like, yo, yo, this is getting hard. I might I mean, I might need to stop doing church gigs and just go straight comedy clubs, man. You've got a church armor behind you. Yeah. Armor bearer. Armor bearer, right. So you you've done some you've done some really cool stuff. Um, you you have uh, participated in the uh, the Wings of Gold. I think is that what that is that what that is the um no you just made some shit up it's called the comedy wings comedy wings it's not wings of gold <laughs> no that's, that's the damn Pensacola wings of gold show from the or it's late, a Phil Collins song early, oh, whatever yeah <laughs> yeah comedy wings competition uh is sponsored by HBO and the American Black Film Festival so last year I got first runner up in that competition and it just opened so many doors I met this guy named Bob Summer Sumner who was the co-creator of Def Jam Comedy which was on HBO back in the day. Nice. And Bob is just, he said, hey, you know, you're a star. He took a liking to me. And he's put me on a lot of gigs, including the Apollo Theater last week in New York. You got to play or perform at the Apollo? That's huge. Yes. They have a comedy club inside the Apollo Theater. And so my name was on the marquee. I mean, it was surreal. Um, So, yeah, the Comedy Wings competition was a, a great thing for me to win because I met and got to network with so many people. And so, yeah, I'll be going to New York. And, you know, in New York, all the comedians there say you can work every night of the week, like five or six shows a night. So wow. I don't think I'll have issues making money. Like, you can get paid gigs. You literally go to a 10 o'clock spot, 11, 1 a.m. at the Comedy Cellar. Like, it's insane. It's, you can work every night of the week, four or five gigs a night. It's nice to be able to do what you're good at and be able to be compensated for it like mm-hmm. that. And Absolutely. sleep late. Mm-hmm. And some now some some gigs I don't get paid for. You know, I, I still take exposure gigs. You have to, you know, use your like, discretion. Like this one. Yeah, <laughs> you have to use your discretion. All right, if I'm going to get a certain degree of dis, uh, of exposure, I'm not going to say no to this gig because it's not paying. You have to be strategic about that. It's, but also, they will. Some people will just try to offer you a chicken wing when they have money. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got a chicken plate chicken for you. No, what I'm is good. the? I'm is, good. What's on? Is it like? Uh, is it the flavored chicken? Is it like lemon pepper or? Yeah, no, lemon pepper is the best. Lemon pepper is the bomb. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. Still need some gas money at least. <laughs> Anybody need a beer? Um, yeah. I'm still working on my strike. Sawyer could use some wine, but I think I'm out. <laughs> you want a beer? Here. Sure. Mm. So Speaking nice. of, let's segue into ASMR. <laughs> So Rita, what you, you've talked about some of the cool things that you have that you, that you have been doing recently. <laughs> Jana, Jana has so been making <laughs> Jana has yeah. been making ASMR references this entire time <laughs> off mic, and it's it, it's 
scratch. That's the beard scratch. That's the beard scratch. That's, that's for you. That's for Dak you. Dak Shepard walking through the forest. That's right. Scratch. Yes. Here's the here's here's the beer slurp. Good. Oh, that's so good. Oh god. <laughs> I went down the wrong way. Give me the moment where you were either with someone or you were in a venue and you thought to yourself, I cannot believe that this has come to me, that I have worked and I have gotten here and and it, and it just it, you're just almost overwhelmed by the fact that you are there at that at that point. Hmm, that's a good question. Probably on one of these Ricky Smiley shows, at a big arena or a big venue where it's thousands of people out there, and you just hear the roaring of laughter. You know, many people may not know, but as a as a performer, when you're somewhere like Thalia Hall, you can't see the audience, but you can hear them and you can feel them. And so as I've been on tour with Ricky Smiley, we've had some really, really big audiences to come out to see him and I get to feature for him. And so just a number of occasions on tour, uh, on tour with him, being in those big arenas and feeling the laughter of, of you know, 5,000, six, however many people, that is surreal because it's like every joke is hitting, you know, they just love you, love you, love you. And that, that makes you want to keep going. And, and it's for you. Yeah. That's for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a confidence booster, you know. And then the next week, you might have a, a bad gig where you get crickets. Which is like, hey, I just killed it at this other thing, so I know I'm supposed to be doing this. You know, as a comedian, I used to take it really hard when I would bomb and think, ah, oh, man, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. But I heard Dave Chappelle say the beauty is in the attempt. You know what I'm saying? You have to try new jokes. You have to just keep doing it because that's the difference between comedians who keep, you know, who get to a certain point, they stay in the game. So what I'm not going to do is self-sabotage myself by, you know, all this self-doubt and having one bad show and thinking I need to quit. That's not how it works. Where does your inspiration come from? Because I, I know you're also, you, you have social causes that are, that are close to you also. And if you look at the history of, of comedy, and we've, we've talked about this before, that comedy can address things that can't be addressed really in any other ways. If you look back to what Richard Pryor did if you look to some of the things that that uh, that even like a Robin Williams was able to address, um, and 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 you mentioned Tignataro a moment ago, kind of following that same vein, these these kind of social mores that are off limits to just about everything else ex except except comedy. Where does that stand as far as a driver for you as a as a comedian? I'm just really fortunate. I mean, before I became a comedian. I just sounded like I was griping about things. But now as a comedian, I get to present things in a humorous way where it's more digestible. I mean, you can take something, you can take the same topic. If a politician is saying it, that's one thing. If a comedian is saying it, it, it may be received completely differently. So I really am fortunate to have this platform, you know, uh, to, to where I can even talk about things that affect me, where it may be something I would be condemned for, like my divorce. I'm talking about that now. Uh, you know, any other person might have to feel shame from that or uh, may not want to talk about it, but I get to talk about it and make jokes about it and connect to people too because after the gig, folks are like, yeah, hey, I'm divorced too. That shit was funny, you know? So it also brings me closer to the people in my audience. Uh, it's a relatability factor. Is there a personal catharsis in that for you? Absolutely. I mean, it's very therapeutic to just be able to get on stage and 
and talk about, oh, you know, well, my husband wasn't attracted to me anymore. He was calling me skinny. And then I make a joke about being skinny. And it's, it's like, oh, I didn't even really know I needed to talk about these things, you know. So part of it is is comedy. But the other part is I'm releasing feelings that I may have just been holding in. But it's, it's bizarre that I would rather talk to strangers <laughs> about it than maybe some friends, you know, because the judgment is not necessarily there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And, and it's it 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 should be a safe a safe space. Mm hmm. And I, 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 it seems to me that that should be part of, of, of a civil discourse and civil dialogue. And it's, it's really sad when it's not there. But it's also amazing that you can make a career mm-hmm. out, of, out of something that you clearly have a natural talent and, ab- and ability for. Mm-hmm. So, Thank you. Um, just, I, I know we're, it's one of those kind of things where we're sad to see you go, but we always know you'll carry a piece of us with you. Oh, yeah. And give us front row seats to your show. Oh, yeah. I just want yeah. to get the, the chicken, chicken wing lady over here. <laughs> lemon pepper, lemon pepper, lemon pepper on those. Rita, if folks want to keep up with you, um, how do? what's the best ways for them to do that? You can do so by emailing me, ritabrentcomedy at gmail.com. That's where I do all my booking. If you want to reach out to me and just talk to me, you can do that way. I'm available on Facebook Messenger. I get all kinds of Facebook messages, this guy. I bet you do. Let's hear this guy. Wait, wait, wait. All right. <laughs> I was in New York last week, week before last, whatever. And this guy, I get message requests, so you can accept or decline. This guy messaged me and says, hey, are you still? His name is Alexander. He says, hey, are you still in New York? I would like to get <laughs> And I thought I misread it. Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> I was like, am I reading this right? He said, I would like to give you and he put a little emoji on there, like a little smiley face emoji. What emoji? What emoji? Like it was a smiley <laughs> face emoji. heart emoji. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't mind being messaged on Facebook, but please do not solicit <laughs> for me or whatever <laughs> or offer to give me. <laughs> was it Bill Cosby? <laughs> no. OJ. Yeah. Yeah. His name was Alexander. Did you respond to him at all? Hell no. I oh. blocked him. <laughs> Did you respond to him? I screenshot <laughs> like, it. No. <laughs> say hard pass. Uh, I screenshot like, it. Yeah. See, that's what happens when you, you know, I bet you he was a cuddle therapist first. <laughs> so it's a gateway. Josh said I'm it was a gateway. You, it is. So I screenshot it and put it on Facebook and I just roasted him. But good. Yeah. Rita Brent Comedy at gmail.com and on social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm Rita Brent Comedy. And my website is RitaBrent.com. Great. Got a schedule on there and everything. Rita, good luck. Thank you, Tim. Thank you.